Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Sam, and praise team for three people up here. It was just moving. I'm so thankful for them. Today, as a pastor continues in, the, in our study of the book of Jonah, it is a privilege for me to be able to read. I know we stood for a long time, but if you have the strength, please stand and focus for the reading of God's word. From Jonah 1.17 through 3.3a. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled above me, and your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Thanks be to the Lord for his word.
they worship the Lord, the God who made the heavens, the earth, and the dry land. Like we see in the sea, I I missed that part in there. He made the sea as well, which is the, the comical portion of it because Jonah's on a boat on the sea running from God. And Jonah says, I worship God, and yet he doesn't worship God. And so ultimately, the sailors end up throwing Jonah overboard. Jonah's like, okay, I'm done. Just throw me overboard. All your troubles will be gone if you just throw me into the sea. And at first, the sailors try and do something else, but then they're like, okay, we've tried everything within our power. We're just going to throw this guy overboard and hope that God forgives us. So they pray to God, throw the prophet overboard. Everything draws quiet. And at that time, Jonah's going down, 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 down. And then the sailors, they repent. They come to to worship God. They come back onto dry land. They offer God sacrifices. They make vows to him. And so what this tells us so far is that Jonah is both the best evangelist of all time and the worst evangelist of all time. Like he is the best worst evangelist of all time. He tries as hard as he can not to do the will of God, but yet somehow he walks into the room and God still has his will done. And that's more of a testament to who God is than who Jonah is. And so I want us to to shift just a moment to talk about what we've learned. So that's the recap of the story so far. But let's talk about what we've learned so far about us through Jonah. We're all Jonah. Every single one of us is Jonah. This book of Jonah holds a mirror up to us. Through Jonah's character, we learn that we're all him. We all run from God. We all go in the opposite direction that he's called us to go in. We all hate our enemies like Jonah did. We don't want to go preach the good news to the people that don't look like us, the people that we don't like. We'd rather them get the fire and brimstone like Jonah did. We also are like Jonah because we claim one thing and yet do another. We say, yes, I worship God. And then throughout our living and our everyday lives, we realize that, well, maybe I don't worship God based off of how I live. And then we are also like Jonah because we all deserve to be thrown overboard. I know this is good news so far, right? We're all excited, all encouraged this morning. We're all like Jonah. We deserve to be thrown overboard. And yet the thing that we're going to get to this morning is that even though we deserve to be thrown overboard, even though we sin against God time and time and time again, even though all of us are hypocrites, God meets us there time and time again with his mercy and his grace. That's the the good news that we're talking about this morning. Because this morning's section of Jonah is all about God's mercy and his grace. We learn about God's character so much through this scripture today. Because what I love about this portion of scripture is it shows us that no matter how far we've gone, no matter how far we've run in the opposite direction, and we've gone down, and we've gone down, and we've gone down, and we're hurled over the side of the ship, then God is still there meeting us. No matter how far we've turned and ran the opposite direction, God meets us there with his mercy and his grace. See, even at the, the bottom of the sea, even at the, the bottom of our sea, of the sea when our life is fading away, where we can see no hope, still God is there. He's encountering us even in that place. And that's the good news that we're talking about today. So let's go ahead and dive into our passage. We're mostly going to go through this verse by verse this morning. Now I have rearranged a couple of verses just to help with the float so that we can better understand what's going on throughout this scripture. But we're going to start in verse 17. Also, just one quick note. I know we're starting in verse, chapter 1, verse 17, and then we're going through 3, 3a. 
the, the verse numbers didn't exist there originally. Um, just so you know, it's not like I'm skipping from one to another to another. Those things didn't exist there originally. So we're looking at this as a, a holistic story, trying to make the best breaks that we can in order to best understand what's going on. Just wanted to give it that disclaimer there. So verse 17 says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So what I want us to to get from this is the fish, although it's a minor character in this story of Jonah, it's not the world's greatest fish tale, this is still a minor character in the story of Jonah, but the fish is still important. The fish in this story represents God's mercy. See, mercy is is not getting what we deserve. So that's the definition of mercy. It's not getting what we deserve. Jonah and us, we we deserve to die, but God shows his mercy to Jonah by sparing his life. Jonah deserves death, but by God withholding death, he receives mercy. We, We got that one? So mercy is not getting what we deserve. Now, three days inside of a stinky, smelly fish may not be your idea of mercy. It's not my idea of mercy either. It doesn't sound too great, but then we have to think, couldn't the situation be worse? Like, couldn't it have been worse for Jonah? Wouldn't, jo- wouldn't God have been justified in instantly striking Jonah dead as soon as he runs in the opposite direction? The answer is yes. Wouldn't he be justified in killing Jonah when he's thrown off the boat? Yes. Couldn't a shark just, like, jump out of the water and, like, chomp on Jonah instead of, like, this massive fish who, who uh, you know, puts him in his belly and protects him? Yeah, absolutely. God would have been justified in all of those things. But yet God is merciful. And that's what I want us to, to get today. Our God is merciful, and he loves to give us a second, third, fourth, 795th chances. This is our God. Jonah has sinned again and again and again. He's run in the opposite direction, and yet every moment God is there, offering him a second chance. See, God's love is far beyond our own love. It's far beyond our own limits. So when the disciples are coming up to Jesus, and they're like, how many times should I forgive my brother when he, for, when he sins against me? Seven times? They're, like, they th- they're thinking that something good has happened. They're like, you know, I'm willing to forgive my brother seven times. Jesus, that, that's surely enough for me to forgive my brother. And Jesus like, 70 times seven. Wait, oh, let me do the math. That's a lot of times. See, in our minds, we're slow to offer forgiveness. We don't want to to love our enemies. We don't want to love people that hate us. But God's love is not that way. And that's really good news for you and me because we constantly do the wrong thing. We constantly run in the wrong direction. But yet God's love is there over and over and over again. See, God loves you. He desires for you to be restored to him. He wants you to enter into his presence, to, to have a seat at his table. That's God's plan for your life and why he exists as a merciful and gracious God. Okay, let's let's transition for just a moment. I didn't have a great transition here, so we're just going to like step into it, say it's an awkward transition. Okay, awkward transition out of the way. Now, you remember how I said Jonah's like unlike any book in the Bible, right? We remember talking about Jonah's like this short biography about a prophet in this short period of time instead of a book of prophecy. Well, well, chapter 2, verse 1 also shows us that in the midst of the belly of a fish, Jonah thinks it's a good time to write some Hebrew poetry. Like, unlike any book in Scripture, like, Jonah's like, yeah, this is a good place to write a poem right now. 
That's what we have in chapter 2, verse 1. So Jonah is the original emo kid. Original emo kid, so melancholy, like fish guts over here, bones over here. And he's like, I could write a poem here. This is a great place to write a prayer to my God. Now, all joking aside, Jonah has grown up with the Psalms as his prayer book. He's grown up with these beautiful Psalms as his prayer book, and he knows how to pray to God based off them. This is beautiful for us because as we read through Jonah's prayer, it may remind us of some of the Psalms. We may see hints and pieces of what Jonah is praying. We're like, wait, this sounds like this, or it looks like this, or I've heard something similar to that before. And the reason that I bring this up is because the Psalms, the the scriptures, they're good for us to memorize. They're good for us to have in our innermost being because when we're in that place, we're in that place where everything seems destitute, where we're looking around and it's just utter darkness and we're feeling like, oh, that feels a little weird. It's good to have that within us because then we can pray God's word to him. It's been formed inside of us where we can come back to him and say, God, you have rescued me. You've delivered me. All of this looked terrible. Everything was crashing over me, but you've delivered me time and time again. So read the word, pray the word, study scripture so that it gets inside of you like it got inside of Jonah. Okay, let's go to verse 3 for a moment. It says, you hurled me into the depths into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Now, here's the question for us. Did God literally hurl Jonah into the depths? Like, did God pick up Jonah and throw him off the side of the boat? No, he he didn't. It was Jonah's own consequences, his own choices that sent him over the side of the boat. But what we learn through this is that in the consequences to our choices, God is at work. God uses what we've chosen, what we've done to work out his will, to have his way made perfect through even all of our missteps, all of our, our going the wrong way, of going that way when we should have gone that way. God is still at work in these things. And this is really beautiful for us. In this moment, Jonah acknowledges that him being thrown into the sea was used by God as justice. He's saying, I chose to do the wrong thing, but yet in that, you are still good. You are still just. You are still working out your will. See, in this moment, Jonah is dead in his trespasses. At this moment, he's dead in his trespasses. He's sinned against a holy God, and he deserves to die. And he, he knows it. He says that I deserve to die. You are working out all your will, all your way, all your justice by me being hurled into the depths of the sea. And in this moment, we're like, yes. Right? We're like, Jonah gets what he deserves. He sinned against the holy God. And we're like, yes, finally. This whiny prophet who constantly does the wrong thing and goes the wrong way, now he's getting his justice. But before we celebrate too quickly, we must remember that we're all Jonah. We're all Jonah. Our reality is the same as Jonah's. We've all sinned against a holy God. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God is what Romans 3.23 says. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Every single one of us deserves what Jonah is getting in this moment. But thankfully, that's not the end of the story. Thankfully, that's not even the end of Romans 6, 23, because it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
See, in this world, we're always told that there's a, a way to be good, or you can be good enough, you can do the right thing. That God won't send a good person to hell. He won't enact his justice on a good person. But whose definition of good? Is it our definition of good or is it God's definition of good? See, we're measured against God's standard of, of goodness and not our own. And when we're measured against that standard, we realize that we've all fallen short. That we've all not able to measure up, that we deserve separation from God. But again, that's not where the story ends. Our God has always been a merciful God. This is where we, where we say amen, okay? Our God has always been a merciful God. There we go. We're getting this now. See, there's often this misunderstanding in the Bible that the Old Testament is full of this vengeful God. That he's a God who just enacts his justice and he doesn't care about the people. He just wants to, to rain down fire and brimstone. And then we have this other misconception that the God of the New Testament is completely different. That we have the Old Testament God who's vengeful, who's just this God of justice, and the New Testament God is a God of mercy and a God of grace. But as we look at the story of Jonah, we realize that that's not true. That God is merciful, that he's slow to anger, that he's abounding in steadfast love. In fact, as we read through the entire Old Testament, that's what we see time and time and time again. We see a people who constantly do the wrong thing, who constantly go the wrong way, and we see a God who gives them time and time and time again the ability to return to him. So this God that we worship is a merciful God. He has always been a merciful God. God's character never changes throughout the scripture. He's always been for us. He's always been for us. That's something that I want us to, to have sink in to us this morning. It's a difficult thing for us to, to believe and imagine that God can be for me. Because we know ourselves. It's easy to say, well, I've messed up there, I've messed up there, I've messed up there. But God is always for us. He wants to work out his salvation in us. He wants us to, to return to him. He wants to show us his mercy and his grace. And we see this evidence with the father. He's running towards the prodigal as Jesus tells the parable. The prodigal has gone and he's squandered his inheritance. He's run in the opposite direction like Jonah. He said that I've been called to do this, but I want to do this. And then the father is running towards him as soon as he sees the son walking back. He sees the son walking back. And this is where we, we want just the mercy. The son comes up to the father and like, can you just let me work for you? Can I just be in this lowly place? And the father says, no, you can't do that. But even better, you're going to be restored to everything you had before. See, God's mercy and grace have always been for us. He's always been the father that looks towards us to run back to us and embrace us into his family. Let's go to verse 2 for a second. Jonah said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. See, here's where we learn a really valuable lesson. You're never too far for God to do something in your life. You're never too far gone. You can still return to God. See, Jonah recognized that he's as good as dead. He's as good as dead in that moment, and yet he called upon God. And the beautiful thing is that God answers him. How, how amazing is that God answers him, even at Jonah's farthest point, 
at his farthest moment away from God, God is there answering Jonah's cry. This is really good news for us. See, I think sometimes in our lives, the reason that we haven't seen breakthrough yet, the reason that we haven't seen breakthrough is that we're content to live in our struggle. Like, oh, this is, this is a good place for me to be. And this is what we see in Jonah's life to this point. He's like, well, you know, I'm going this way. I'm sleeping. It's fine. The storm's walking around me. It's fine. I'll just... And then he's content with being thrown overboard. You know, I'll be fine. You guys throw me overboard. The sea will calm down. I'll get what I deserve. That's fine. But yet here, he makes a shift. He makes a shift. He's no longer content. He's changed his direction. He calls upon God. And what this tells us is that even if we're we're struggling, even if we're at our farthest point, even if our situation, especially if our situation seems impossible, that's exactly the time to call upon God. We're never too far from him. We've never gone too far in the wrong direction. All we have to do is cry out to him, and he is faithful to answer us. He's faithful to answer us. I want to look at just how bad it was for Jonah. He was was really far gone. We're going to look at verse 5 and 6. Verse 5. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Things were really bad for Jonah. They were really bad for Jonah. He's literally at his lowest point. He's got a a wig of seaweed around his head. He's looking around. He sees the base of the mountains. He's as far gone as he possibly could. And yet even here, he's not too far gone. Even here, he's not too far gone to receive God's mercy. Did you catch that? Jonah's literally at his lowest level. He's gone down. He's gone down. I can't go much down much further. I'm not going to get back up. He's gone down as far as he possibly can. Yet even there, God is there. Even in his lowest place, God is there. This is beautiful news for us. Because if God can do it for Jonah, he can do it for you. If God can do it for Jonah, he can do it for you. If you are far from God, if you've been separated, if your life is going in the wrong direction and you've sunk down, 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 just call upon his name. Cry out to God. You are not too far gone for God to do something in your life. Your family member is not too far gone for God to do something in their life. No one is too far gone. But sometimes we have to be brought to our lowest point. Sometimes we have to be brought and we have to sink down in order to call upon God. When there's nothing left, when everything's been stripped away and we see nothing, we got the seaweed wrapped around our head, we're looking around, there's, there's no hope, it's hopeless. At that point, we call upon God because there's nothing else. Sometimes God's mercy looks like us being brought down to our lowest point so we can see just how bad our life has become so that we can cry out to him. Even there, God is working out his mercy. Even there, God is working out his plan. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. Lord, 
and my prayer arose to you, to your holy temple. When my life was ebbing away. See, Jonah, in his last seconds, his life is closing in before his eyes. It's his last second. He remembers God. He remembers his mercy. He prays to God to do something in his life. See, everything's fleeting. He, he's there and he's like, like trying to, to cry out like he's going down as far as he could go. And in that moment when he's fully away from God, he remembers something. Something clicks in his head. And remembering in Hebrew isn't recalling something that's forgotten. It's not recalling something forgotten. He didn't literally forget about God. Remembering is the Hebrew word zahar. And the interesting thing about this word is it's actually about covenants. It's about covenants. In Genesis, it's first used when God remembers the promise he made to Noah and spares him from the flood. And then it's used the second time when God remembers Abraham and spares Lot from the destruction that comes to Sodom and Gomorrah. And so in this moment, what Jonah is remembering, that God is merciful, that he's a, a gracious God, that he spares his people, that, that if he calls out to this God, that his life will be saved, he remembers the character and nature of this God. He has something shift within him, and he's no longer interested in going down, 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 but instead cries out for God's mercy. See, Jonah remembers that Yahweh is a miracle-working God. He's a God who is abounding in steadfast love, who abounds in mercy. See, when our lives are headed in the wrong direction, we need to think back on all that God has done for us. We need to think back on all that God has done for us. And maybe you're looking at your life and your life doesn't seem that great. You're like, maybe God hasn't done anything for my life. I keep trying to, to do these things. I want to do the right thing, but it seems like I'm always struggling. It seems like he's never there. It seems like he's separated from me and we can, we can survey our lives like nothing good has happened. But then we have to remember that his salvation means that we were once separated from him. Even if everything looks terrible. Even if nothing seems right, we were once separated from him, but by his grace we have been made new. By his grace we have been made a new creation. We've been made children of God and we will be with him forever. When things aren't going right, remember that. Remember that you were separated from God, but by his mercy and by his grace he has brought about your restoration. Talk about a turning point. We were dead in our trespasses, but because of Jesus, we have received new life. And we see an image of this in verses 8 and 9 in Jonah. It says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. This is Jonah's prayer of repentance to God. As he's saying those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love, he, he's acknowledging that he did that. He's acknowledging that he had made an idol in his own heart, that he had turned away from God's love. See, Jonah wanted a vengeful God who rained down fire and brimstone. That's what we've learned so far. But here he has a change of heart because he remembers this, this is a God of salvation. He remembers that the God that he's worshiping is an idol. It's not the, the true God. It's not Yahweh God. He's going after something else. See, the human heart, our, our hearts are always in motion. 
We're always going one way or another. We're never at a standstill. And over time, if we're not careful, we begin to create a false god of our own liking instead of worshiping the true God. This is what we do in our lives. We go one way or another. We're never at a standstill. And if we make this misstep towards a God of our own making, it's very costly for us. But it's not irreversible. It's not irreversible. And that's what we see in Jonah's story here. That even though he's made an idol and he's worshipped an idol, even though he's gone in the wrong direction, even though he's made misstep after misstep after misstep, there still remains God's mercy and his grace. There still remains God's mercy and grace. See, Jonah experienced a change. He had a transformation in this moment, and now he's ready to go and preach the good news. He's ready to go and say, salvation comes from the Lord. And some of us are laughing because we know what happens next in the book of Jonah. Like, we, we know that this isn't necessarily his life going forward. But in this moment, he's changed his direction. In this moment, he's laid down his idol and he's returned to worship the true God. He's returned to worship Yahweh. I want to backtrack for for just a moment to verse 4 to talk about the process of transformation. And this is just an aside for us, but I think it's an important aside. It says, I said I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. See, it's important for us to note that that Jonah goes through a refining process before he truly realizes what has happened. It takes Jonah three days and three nights to go from praying for God's mercy as he's literally drowning to to praying this prayer of repentance. It takes him three days and three nights in in the belly of a fish. that's, That's a long time. It might as well have been three years for Jonah. Transformation takes time for us. It's one thing to receive God's mercy, and it's another to allow the character and nature of God to transform our way of life. It took time for Jonah to internalize what had truly happened to him. Say, yes, I've received mercy. Yes, I've received this from God. But, oh man, I've been going the wrong direction with my entire life. Now I'm ready to change my ways. Now I'm ready to go and live the life that God has truly called me to live. And for you, you may not be there yet, but that's okay. Transformation takes time. Transformation takes time in your life. You will look upon God with joy again. If now you feel like you're banished from God's sight, you will look upon him with joy again. Transformation takes time. Let's move on to verse 10 through 3 verse 2. And the Lord commanded the fish, And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it the message I give you. So, so far we've talked a lot about God's mercy, which is not getting what we deserve. Now we're going to shift to grace, which is getting what we don't deserve. Catch that? Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. We deserve death. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. We don't deserve a new chance at life. We don't deserve a a second chance. This is God's grace towards us. And the ironic thing here is that God's grace is represented by the fish vomiting Jonah onto dry land. Now, to me, that doesn't sound very graceful. It doesn't sound too good for us, but I think the Lord purposely does this because the reality is grace is messy. 
Grace isn't fair. It's not straightforward. What seems wrong or undignified to us of God giving us a second chance, of even giving the people that really shouldn't deserve a second chance, like Jonah, a second chance, like that doesn't seem right to us. But God's grace is messy. It's scandalous. It restores us to him and says, you've come back to me. Now here is my kingdom. Here's your inheritance. Here's your seat at the table. Come dine with me. Come recline with me. See, Jonah is getting a second chance that he doesn't deserve at all. The beauty of God is that his second chances are available to every single one of us. It's not limited to Jonah. See, through Jesus, we all have an opportunity to have our sins washed away, to have our missteps washed away, and to receive new life. We just simply must repent and make Jesus Lord. And the beautiful thing is that God doesn't just spare our lives. It's not just a a get-out-of-hell-free card where he's like, okay, you're good to go. Check. I've done that. That's not what God does with our lives. God restores us to his original intention for us. He restores us to his family. He says, you are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. The grace of God goes above and beyond anything that we deserve. God wants to change your life. He wants to do something miraculous within you. He doesn't want you to to stay in your sin. He doesn't want want you to stay in your despair. He doesn't want you to stay in the pit, in the valley like Jonah was. He wants to miraculously change you. He wants to restore you to his family. He wants to say that you are my son, you are my daughter, I love you. That's what God wants to do to your life. The question is, are you willing to let him? Are you willing to turn from everything that's hindering? Are you willing to turn from your idol and accept his salvation? Accept his way of life? Accept his mercy and his grace? Finally, let's look at the, last, uh, the first half of verse 3. It says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. See, after receiving God's grace, there's still work to be done in our life. There's not work to be done for our salvation, but grace is something that we're called to work from. I love how the NLT paraphrases Matthew 3.8. It says, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Now really, shortly in the next couple of weeks, we'll realize that, well, maybe this hasn't fully happened for Jonah. We'll realize that although in this moment he's, he's ready, he's gung-ho, he's following after God, that he's again going to choose to walk in his own path. And what I want us to get from this is that grace doesn't give us license to live the way that we want to live. We don't get to to go whatever way we want to. And what we'll learn in the next two weeks is that somewhere along this path, where God is calling Jonah to go to Nineveh, and Jonah's like, okay, fine, I'll go, I'll, I'll do it, I'll preach salvation, comes from the Lord. Somewhere along that path, something changes within him. He goes back to his old ways. And what's interesting here is we've got to remember that Nineveh isn't accessed by sea. It's accessed by land. It's 500 miles inland from Joppa. And so Jonah's got a long journey. Like, the fish doesn't vomit Jonah directly into Nineveh. It probably vomits him back into Joppa, back to the point where he had originally turned, and then he has to take this journey. And somewhere along the way, he's like, yeah, I've been saved. You know, God has saved me. He's done these things in my life, but I want to do it my way again. I like my way. I like the way that I'm doing these things. And I don't want to say too much about this. I don't want to get too far ahead of me. Uh, But I want to highlight something important. 
You're not going to get everything right in your life. You're not going to get everything life in your right, even after you've received God's grace. Even after you've received his mercy, even after you've received his grace, you're still going to have missteps. You're still going to go the wrong direction. We're going to see this in Jonah's life, that he still goes the wrong way. But yet, even when he goes the wrong way again, God steps in. God continues to work in his life time and time again with his mercy and his grace. He says, Jonah, you're still not getting it. You're still trying to go your own way. You're still trying to make this about you. But come back to me. Come to my way. That's what we learn throughout the book of Jonah. And the reason that we we learn this, I, I think, is because it shows our need for Jesus. It reveals our need for Jesus because we're prone to forget God. We're prone to go the wrong direction. We're prone to continue to go our way when God has already done something miraculous in our life. And even here is the good news. Because God empowers us by his grace and his spirit to live lifestyles of repentance. Even in our missteps, even when we go the wrong direction, God is still there empowering us by his spirit to return to him. When we turn from God and pursue our own way, God is still there. He's still there. No matter how far we've turned, no matter how far away we've gone from God, God is still there welcoming us to return to him. His grace is still there. His mercy is still there. So maybe you're here this morning and all you can think about are those things. Maybe you're here and all you can think about are all the wrongs that you've done or all the the missteps that you've taken in your life. Yeah, I've received mercy. Yeah, I've received grace, but, but then I squandered it. But then I've gone this way and I've made the wrong decision and I made the, the wrong decision and the, the wrong decision. And I keep going my way when I, I know there's something in me that, that's been saved. I know there's something in me that's been justified, that's been redeemed, but I, I, I keep wanting to go this way. And maybe this morning, that's, that's all you can think about. Maybe all you can think about is the idols that you've held on to, like Jonah. How you've turned from God's love. Maybe all you can think about is how you're sinking to the bottom of the sea, and it feels like you're going to drown. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're weak. Maybe you're exhausted from this battle that's raging within you. Maybe it feels like nothing good is going to happen in your life. Everything is, you've gone down, you've gone down, you've gone down. This is the moment to cry out to God. This is the moment to cry out to Jesus this morning. Repent and turn to him. Stop going your own way. Stop trying to live life for you. Return to Jesus. Everything in your life isn't going to go great, but in those moments of darkness, in those moments of despair, that's when God is inviting you to call out to him. Return to him this morning. See, God's offer of salvation is for you. It's for you. Like, like it's really for you. Even you, even me, it's for us. Even if we've run from him time and time and time again, his offer of salvation is still for us. We don't have to live life running from God. We don't have to live life like Jonah, running from him. God's inviting us into his family. He's inviting us into restoration through Jesus. See, God has a seat at his table for you. He has a seat at his table for you. He wants to welcome you into his grand living room and give you a seat. 
say, well done, son and daughter. And maybe you're sitting here and you like the idea of that, but you're just not sure yet. Like, I I want to believe that. I want to believe that God has something for my life. I want to believe that he loves me. I want to believe that he forgives all these missteps that I've done. But maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you're struggling with it. Maybe you can't get over that hump. I want to encourage you to pray as someone else did in Scripture. I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I I want to get there. I know there's something there. I can see the seed of it. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. There's still something inside me that can't fully grasp onto it. God meets us where we're at. He invites us to come to him, to return to him. See, God has a plan for your life. And I know that's a, a cliche that we don't like to hear, but God truly has a plan for your life. He has a plan to restore you to bring you out of the sea of despair. He has a plan to welcome you into his warm embrace. God is for you. He is for you. He wants to see you restored. He wants to see you at his table. He wants to see you at his family. God is for you. And he pours out his grace upon you time and time and time again. Even in our missteps, he's there. Even when we run away from him, he's there. Call out to him this morning. Return to him this morning. No matter where you're at, do that this morning. Pray with me. God, we are so thankful for your mercy. God, we deserve separation from you. We deserve death. We deserve everything that our sin uh, shows that we do deserve. But yet in your mercy, you forgive us. In your mercy, you look beyond our missteps. All of our idolatry, all of our turning into ourselves, you forgive that. But you go above that and you, you give us new life. You welcome us at your table. Restore us to your original design. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to receive your mercy and your grace. God, in our our lives, we've gone the wrong direction. We've chosen ourselves. We've chosen what pleases us time and time again. God, help us to believe that we're truly forgiven. Help us to believe that your grace really is good, that you truly are loving, that you truly are merciful, that you truly are gracious. Help us to believe that this morning. God, for those of us who who are stuck, who feel like we're, we're sinking, who feel like we're going down, 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 and there's no hope, God, I just pray that you would shine a light to us this morning, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would help us to cry out to you in this moment to cling to your goodness, to remember your mercy and your grace. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.